Have you ever loved something so much that it caused you to have crazy behaviors? I know that's uh, maybe a loaded question and one that you're not comfortable answering. So I'm not going to ask you to shout out your answers, but I'll tell you mine. Uh, and it's kind of a confession time. It's not something that I'm exactly proud of, uh, but I'm going to tell it to you anyways. My senior year of high school, two weeks before graduation, someone came to me and said, you should read the Harry Potter books. <laughs> Pat, stop it. <laughs> and I said, the context, up until this point, I was a Harry Potter basher. Uh, I thought they were not worth reading. I didn't see the big craze about it. Uh, anytime someone brought up Harry Potter, I thought it was kind of nerdy, if I'm honest. And so I was very against it. But I finally said, fine, I'll read a couple chapters. Well, a couple chapters turned into a couple more, which turned into a couple more. And before you know it, I read the whole first book, and it was awesome. And so I read the second book and the third book. I devoured all 4,100 pages, all seven books, from the second week of May to the end of July. That's a lot of reading. To put that into perspective, here's what my life looked like that summer. So I graduated from high school, and then that summer, I went to work from 7.30 to 4. I came home, and I read Harry Potter. I played in a softball league, and so on the nights when I played softball, I'd read until I went and played softball. I'd come home, shower up, read until I went to sleep. That was my life. To tell you how pathetic it was, uh, there's one more, and if that's not embarrassing enough, this is probably the ultimate embarrassing moment. It's my last summer before going away to college with my friends. And they were having beach day on Saturday. They were going to the beach, and I said, no thanks. And I told them the reason, because I wanted to stay home and read Harry Potter. It was absolutely uh, crazy. It literally changed my behaviors for the summer uh, as I just wanted to read those books. Have you had something like that? Maybe not. But the question that I've wrestled with this week, and it's a question we're going to wrestle with today, is that God for us? Are we so crazy about God that it literally changes our life. For Paul, that was a yes. And in fact, that's what Paul gets accused of today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Reminder context, Paul is writing a letter, the second letter to the Corinthian church, to the Christians there, and to those Christians, uh, Paul is kind of having to defend himself a little bit throughout the letter because uh, they're upset with Paul because Paul went on a missionary journey and his plan was to start in Corinth, go up, and then circle back and end the journey in Corinth and then go back home. After his first visit, it didn't go well, so Paul changed his plans and didn't go back for that second time and the Corinthians are upset. And so Paul has to spend some time defending himself uh, as to why he didn't do that. And here in chapter 5, we pick up and Paul says, we're, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you anymore. Here's what he says. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer, the, answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. 
If we are out of our mind, as some of you say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Paul says we're, we're done defending ourselves. We're done trying to get you to, to see where we're coming from. We're not even trying to convince our, ourselves uh, that we are apostles anymore. We're done commending ourselves. We are simply giving you reasons and giving you ammo, so to speak, to answer those who are criticizing us. That take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. Remember, what was one of the, the biggest accusations against Paul from the Corinthians? Worldly, he doesn't look like much. He's a homely guy, and he's not the best speaker. There's far greater looking guys. There's far greater or better speakers. Paul's not really all that great from a worldly perspective. Paul says, we're giving you the ammo, the ammunition. We're giving you the answer to those people who take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. And then he addresses what we're talking about today. He said, if we are out of our mind, as some of you say, it is for God. What were the Corinthians uh, accusing Paul of? Being crazy. Paul, you're a little too zealous. You're, you're a little too much of a Jesus freak here, Paul. Paul, you're a little crazy. You keep getting imprisoned. You keep getting persecuted. Half the Corinthian church is talking poorly about you, and yet you continue to come around and preach Jesus. Maybe relax a little bit, Paul. You're a little too fanatical. And Paul says, but I can't. I can't. Why? Christ's love compels me. His unconditional and undeserved love compels him. Why? Because Paul says, I'm convinced that one died. Jesus died for all. And that meant him. That meant for all the times that he traveled throughout the Middle East rounding up Christians to get them to blaspheme. And if they didn't blaspheme, then he would hand them over and cast his vote to have them stoned to death. Jesus died for all those times. For Paul, the Christian murderer. See, Paul was always a zealous guy. Before he was zealous for killing Christians, now he was zealous for Jesus. And he was convinced that Jesus died for all, and that included him. And that love compelled him to be crazy. How so? It completely altered Paul's life. No longer was Paul trying to please himself, but he was living to please Jesus. No longer was it about Paul's kingdom, but Jesus' kingdom. No longer was it about Paul's priorities, but Jesus' priorities. No longer was Paul living for 
his selfish desires, but for Jesus' pure and holy desires. It changed Paul's schedule. It changed his priorities. It changed the way he viewed people. It changed the way he viewed himself. It changed his purpose in life. Christ's love compelled him because he was convinced one died for all. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And that leads us to our first point today. Christ's love compels us to live for him. We're compelled to be crazy and no longer live for ourselves, but for Jesus who died for us and was raised again. And so the question that I've been wrestling with all week and that we're going to wrestle with this morning is does it? Does Jesus' love compel you and me to be crazy in the eyes of the world and live for Jesus instead of ourselves? When people look at me, do they see someone crazy for Jesus or crazy for Stephen Aft? How would you answer that for yourself? As the world looks at you, do they see somebody who is crazy for Jesus, who is no longer living for themselves, but for him? When the world looks at you, do they see somebody whose priorities are crazy in the eyes of the world because your priorities are now Jesus' priorities? Do they see somebody who is crazy because you're not here to build up your own kingdom, to sit on your own throne, but you're here to build up God's kingdom with the time and the resources that he's given you? When the world sees you, do they think you're crazy because when you're with your friends, when, when gossip starts to happen, you not only don't participate, but you actively shut down the conversation because that's how much you love Jesus. When the world looks at you, do they see somebody who is humble or do they see somebody who is prideful and arrogant and sits on judgment of others? When the world looks at you, do they see somebody who is crazy and schedules Jesus' time and that is the non-movable time in my schedule? Or like the world, do I schedule everything else and give Jesus the leftovers? When the world looks at you, what do they see? Has Jesus' love completely altered our life? If not, why not? Jesus' love has the power to change hearts. That's the good news today. Love changes hearts. And that's what was evident uh, with Catherine Laws. 1921, supposedly a true story, 1921, Catherine Laws was married to a warden in a prison. And he was a newly appointed warden. And when he got the, the job, everyone told her, Catherine, do not go into those walls because some of the most hardened criminals are in there. But Catherine didn't listen. Every day she'd go into the walls. 
When the first basketball game happened uh, between the, the prisoners, she was in the bleachers sitting next to the inmates, some of whom were convicted of murder. When she heard that one of the, the uh, inmates uh, couldn't read, he was blind. She taught him Braille. When she found out that some of uh, the murderers couldn't hear, she learned sign language so she could communicate with them. Over the course of 16 years, the love that Catherine showed these prisoners softened their heart. Until 16 years later, when the warden didn't show up one day, and immediately all the prisoners knew something happened. And sure enough, Catherine was in a car accident and died. The next day, the interim warden came, and he was shocked that at the main gate, all the prisoners were there, all their cheeks wet with tears, that supposedly the warden did something that was so crazy. He opened the gate and said, you men can go pay your respects, but come back and check in tonight. Not only did every single prisoner go, but all came back because their hearts had been changed by Catherine's love. Because they knew Catherine wouldn't like it if we left. Her love changed those hardened prisoners' hearts. And if that's the love that a human, if that's love, the love of a human can do that, how much more the love of Jesus, who gave himself for us, who died for all and was risen again from the dead. Jesus' undeserved and unconditional love for you and me, that he gave up himself for us. He died for all. For the re religious, for the irreligious. For the moral, for the immoral. For all. And that includes you and me. And the love of Jesus, the crazy love of Jesus for you, Paul expands upon in the next verses. Here's what he says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How crazy is the love of Jesus for you? He reconciled you and me to God. When does a relationship need reconciliation? Broken. If a husband and wife's relationship is good, there's no need for reconciliation. It's when the relationship is broken, when there's been a falling out. And what does Paul say? Jesus reconciled us to God. What does that imply about our relationship with God? It was broken. There was a falling out. And who caused it? Not God. Not the sinless, perfect God, but you and me. Paul, 
we cause the falling out in our relationship with God through our sin. And notice who fixed it. Not us, but God. And the crazy love of God fixed it. By verse 21, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God had his one and only son, Jesus, become our substitute and take our sin. And in return, Jesus gave us his righteousness. Here's how Isaiah 53 put it. 700 years before Jesus, here's what Isaiah said. Surely he, Jesus, took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We were those death row inmates, deserving of death because of our sin. And Jesus took our place. Jesus took our place. He went into the prison cell that we might go free. He was deemed a sinner that we may be deemed righteous. He was punished that we may go free. He died that we might live. That's the amazing love that Jesus has for you. That's the crazy love that he has for you. Innocent on all accounts, and yet he took our place, died in our place, rose again so that we could have reconciliation with God. Peace with God here and forever. I saw this amazing line this week. It was a picture, and I tried to load it up, but supposed to go up and down, so it just looked bad, so I'm just going to tell you what it is. Love is when a man wipes away your tears, even when you left him hanging on the cross to die for your sins. That's what Jesus has done for us. He took our place on the cross, and he loves us so much that he wipes away our tears as he reconciles us to God so that we have peace with God forever, not just now, but for eternity. This is the love of Jesus for us. And it compels us to be crazy for him. To love him so much that we look at our lives and we say, I don't want to do what I used to do anymore. I don't want to be the gossip. I don't want to have my priorities revolve around me. I don't want to miss out on Jesus' time. I want to use my time and my talents and my resources to spread his kingdom because look at the love that he has for me. I want to be crazy for him because he's crazy for me. It's all about the love of Jesus. When we leave here today, we leave here and yes, we look at our lives and say, where, where can I make adjustments? Where can I turn to live for him? But where do we get the motivation from? It's not a have to. It's rather a want to. And we want to because look at the love that Jesus has for me. He took 
my place. He took your place. He took Paul's place so that we have peace with God. And it causes us to be crazy as we live for him. But there's one more crazy part that Paul points out. And it was right at the end. Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are crazy and we live for him. But Christ's love also compels us to speak for him. We are crazy as we are ambassadors for Jesus. An ambassador is someone who speaks on behalf of somebody else and pushes somebody else's agenda. And that's what Paul says we are. We are Christ's ambassadors. We push Jesus' agenda. We speak for Jesus. What Jesus is concerned about, we speak about. And how much greater Jesus' message of forgiveness and love. We're all ambassadors for something. We all serve as ambassadors whether we realize it or not. Uh, today, I'm still an ambassador for Harry Potter. I will tell you, if you haven't read it, read it. The products that you love, you push. The series, the TV series you love, you tell others, you got to watch it. The movies you watch, the books you read, you have to watch this. We are ambassadors for the things we love. And how much more Jesus, who has not just an earthly impact, but an eternal impact, an impact that has brought you peace with God, so when you lay your head down at night, you aren't filled with guilt, filled with shame, but you are filled with Jesus' righteousness and peace. How much more are we ambassadors for that good news? And so let's be that. Let's be compelled to speak. Let's be crazy for Jesus and live for him and speak for him because there's no greater news in the world than the fact that Jesus died one died for all, therefore all died. And through him, we have the righteousness of God. Not just us, but the entire world. And so let's be crazy. Because Jesus is crazy for you and me. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, what unbelievable love you have for us that you would come into this world, live perfectly, and yet take our place and die for us. What amazing love that is. We are humbled by it. We are motivated by it uh, to go and live lives for you. Help us to live for you and not for ourselves uh, because you died for all and you have brought us the righteousness of God. Uh, as we live our lives, we want to live for you and as we look to do that, let us be motivated uh, not because we have to but because we want to because your love compels us to do just that. Help us to be ambassadors as we go out into this world. Let our lives reflect those uh, who love you and who are loved by you. And let our words uh, be sprinkled with grace and truth as we tell more and more people about you. Be with us today and continue to bless us. Continue to uh, help change our lives as we grow in your love and in your forgiveness. In your name we pray. Amen.